All right, Pete Giuliano, it is uh, Saturday, the 24th of March, 2018. That makes this solder smoke. 203! 203, man, it's been a long time. We, yeah. are, we have been absent from the fiber optic cable, and, yeah. uh, and we apologize to our many dedicated listeners. But we have lots of excuses. First, computer problems. Yeah. What happened? What happened? Yeah. Uh, well, long story short, my computer died. I had to get a new computer. And, and and later, I want to talk a little bit about that subject with some specifics. I yeah. have some things I want to share. Yes. Well, that's it. That's a, these. This is the, the perils of appliances, Pete. When these things yes. break, you can't pull yes. out the soldering iron and go in there and fix it. Uh, very kind of uh, you know telling problem. Also, cold. <coughs> it's been cold. It's been not not cold like in the flu, but cold weather out there in yes. California. And wet. Cold and wet in California. That wasn't in the brochure. It wasn't supposed to be that way, right? No, no, no. It's wet. The whole purpose in being out there is to avoid the cold and wet. Yes. Yes. You're getting ripped off. You should get your money back. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) This reminds me of the Pacific Northwest. (laughs) Cold and wet. (laughs) It must remind you of Pennsylvania. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, Pete Pete is, uh, I mean, he, he deserves extra credit here. He deserves the, uh, the a bronze figligee fig with with uh, with oak leaf clusters, as Gene Shepard would put it. Yes, there you go. Because he uh, he gets up early in the morning. It's cold in his garage, and his garage is what? Uninsulated. And and unheated. <laughs> unheated. Yes. So this is the uh, an extra measure of, of of Pete's dedication to the solder smoke cause. We thank him, especially early in the morning out there. Uh, also, weather weather events. We've had some really brutal winter weather here on the uh, on the east coast we've we've had these storms and i know f- our foreign listeners especially will be fascinated by the, the weird kind of weather we get here nor'easters we've yes. been getting nor'easters my grandmother used to live in fear of the dreaded nor'easter in a certain sense you can think of it like a winter hurricane okay we call them nor'easters because that's the track they follow up the east coast they go from southwest to northeast so we get them down here, and I'm talking really high-powered winds. We had wind gusts here similar to what we had during Hurricane Sandy, but of course it's coming in January and February, and uh, man, it uh, it causes some havoc, and it took out my moxon. The moxon finally bit bit the bullet from the nor'easter, but we've had several. other All, all of our excuses have to do with the letter C. I won't go into specifics, but uh, my... Uh, my daughter is in the college selection phase, and those of you, yeah, the, Pete's 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 been there how many times? Four. Four times. Yeah, so you know it, it can be time consuming and distracting. And costly. And, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but anyway, we've been th- we've been going through that, so that's been taking up time. And then also, I must admit, I have been distracted by genealogy. Which is weird because it has nothing to do with radio. My my wife is concerned. She says, "Well, why aren't you working on the radios anymore? What's the matter with you?" She said, "You're all out. You're out there every morning and sitting in front of the computer trying to establish communication with long dead relatives." <laughs> there you go. <laughs> she she looks up. I, I have these I have these family tree. I used to have fallen victim to this ancestry.com stuff that they advertise on TV, and I fell for it. And I it's and I've got it, it lures you in. But oh, my, yeah. my wife looks at me one time and she says, you know what this thing is? She's looking at them over my shoulders. I have like the Ancestry.com program on the screen. I said, what is it, honey? She says, it's like Facebook for dead people. 
yeah, 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 there you go. There you go. All right, so anyway, that, that's been distracting me. But I am happily running out of dead relatives to track down. The mission is almost complete, so it's time to turn back to radio and solder smoke. Here we are. Before you leave that subject, sometimes you find out some very interesting things as a result of that. My my number three son got taken with it and was putting together data for the family tree. And have you ever heard of Corona beer? Yeah. Corona beer? Okay, Corona's from Mexico. Yeah. My wife's great-grandfather was involved with the first brewery that now has morphed into Corona. Yeah, and it was because he was from Germany. Uh-huh. And all these German guys wanted their beer, but yeah. you couldn't find beer in Germany, so they started breweries. So that's how Corona got started. Its roots trace back to Germany. So there you go. Bit this of is, and this is another connection, too. This 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 brings you closer to the Dos Equis man. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The world's most interesting man. Pete, Pete I, you know, you've got a, a, sort of a resemblance there. Yeah, there you go. There yeah, you, go. you know, uh, the only man who can slam a revolving door. Yeah, yeah. He go. lives vicariously through himself. He yeah. speaks Russian in French. Anyway, we, we could go on. But anyway, the Dos Equis, man, you do find interesting stuff. I found out that I'm part Croatian. Who knew? I didn't know. And not only that, the Croatians had connections in Peru. Peruvian Croatians. What Was it Nikola Tesla? Tesla? There you go. <laughs> yeah, well, he, was right. a, he was a Serb. I don't know if he was Croatian Serb, but wow, yeah. there you go. This, this could explain go. a lot. Yeah. Holy cow. And the guy that started World War One. Well, no, we're going to ignore him. We're going to... We're going to go with Nikola Tesla. All right. I hope. Oh, that that would be really cool if I was. Yeah. yeah wow. All right. Anyway, uh, that that's that. Those are our many excuses. But we have many many radio things to discuss. Pete, you, in spite of the California cold, have been melting far more solder than I have. So why don't you go first? What have you been up to? Well, first of, I'd like to start with a something that's radio connected with regard to uh, the our emperor and the porn star. You know, there's a radio connection. You're gonna, there. you're gonna, you're gonna do this, man. <laughs> there's a connection. There. I want, it, I want it to be noted that Pete is the one who is dragging us into the muck here. Okay. I, 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 but it's a radio connection. All right, go ahead. If try. You saw, saw the porn star's attorney, Michael Avenetti. How did he le- end his latest tweet? I don't know. Hashtag Basta. Oh, I saw that the Basta thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I said it. There you go. Mm-hmm. Basta. That's you and and Mafalda. Yeah. <laughs> Basta. There you go. And and if, if you and if people can't see this, but you got to bite your finger at the same time. Yeah, Basta. Pig picture Sonny Corleone, Sonny Corleone, in The Godfather, when they when when his sister calls him up and tells him that her husband has been beating her up again. He gra- he takes that finger, he puts it in his mouth, ah! It's, yeah. you know, and, and when, when an Italian does that, watch out. Watch out, yeah. Because emotions are high. Yeah. Michael Avenetti. You, you are an emotional people. All right, well, thank thank okay. you for that, uh, for that people. Go on now, back to okay. radio. Okay, first of uh, Bill mentioned about my computer die, and I want to take a few minutes uh, to, to talk a little bit about that because... Uh, it was impactful. It was impactful in many respects. And fortunately, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I heard some funny noises out of my computer. So uh, I have an external hard drive. And I uh, <clears throat> fortunately 
saved all the radio files. <laughs> I mean, I said, man, this is the family jewels. I can't lose these. So they, they all got preserved. But more importantly, um, some of the things that I had on the computer are, are difficult to um, replace. And what I mean by that is uh, I had a Windows 7 machine and I now have a Windows 10 machine. And, and a lot of the program programs, not, not the content, a lot of the programs no longer just move up to Windows 10. And now you, you can't buy software, you have to rent it. And that, that, is, <laughs> that is terrible. For instance, something as simple as Windows Movie Maker. I used to make all the videos for YouTube and I got about 160 of them up there, had Windows Movie Maker on my uh, Windows 7 machine. And guess what? You can't get that anymore. Are you kidding? I think I have it on mine. Well, because you went from a Windows 7 machine to a Windows 10 machine, right. and it did automatically, so it kept it. Right. But there is not Windows 10 per se with for there. There is. Oh, so because go, because it crashed and because you you yeah. just all right. I got gotcha. you. And the thing is, they have one in the Microsoft Store that's free. But it's nowhere near. So now you got to spend four dollars and ninety-five cents a month to rent the full version. <laughs> yeah. The and people, the people need to rise up against this. Yeah. And, and then, they need to, to to send money to Solder Smoke so that we can support Pete Giuliano's continued production of videos. Yeah. So you get the free version. The only thing you can do is put a uh, a title page on it and a credit. But I mean, some of the things that you were able to do. You have to spend the money, and the, and the same thing with Microsoft Office. You can buy the yearly subscription for about seventy bucks because I lost the Office. I had you know Word and Excel and all that, or you can spend one hundred and fifty bucks and get the two thousand and sixteen. Curse you, no, Microsoft! Curse you! There's no updates. I was okay. going to say I, I can't say curse you, Bill Gates, because he seems like such a nice guy. But curse yeah. you, Microsoft! Yeah. So I mean. These are things that are, and then the other uh, issue is I had a program called G Simple that I did all the designs for the CNC. Now all the CNC programs are on the CNC machine itself, so I can go in out, out to the garage, the CNC machine, and call up a specific board. But the design software is not compatible with Windows 10, <laughs> so now I got to find a resurrect an older computer and and be able to um, design stuff not on. It was okay with Windows 7, but not with Windows 10. And the other thing is uh, what I used for uploading to my um, websites, I, I have three websites, uh, was uh, Dreamweaver uh, MX2004. You can't buy that anymore. you got to rent it. you got to rent it by the month. So, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, fortunately, when I, when I got it, I installed it on a couple of computers. So, I have two computers that are not Windows machines, they're uh, Windows 10, they're Windows XP. So I can update the update the websites, but it's a pain in the butt because I got to move data from this machine over to the other machine. So word of the wise, man, <laughs> carefully do an analysis of what you got in your computer and think about if something dies, you may not be able to replicate those files. I mean, I found on my computer Remember, Bill, the, the SWR bridge? From oh, yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, I kept that. But, I mean, stuff like that, how, how would you replace it? I mean, to, to go do that all over again would be very, very difficult. So, uh, first, of invest in a, an external hard drive. They're, they're really inexpensive. And put all the files on something other than your main machine. Cause yeah, I have, that, I have that running here. I do. 
Yeah, yeah. If it dies, you're in trouble. But more importantly, look at all the specialty programs that you may have installed on your computer uh, because you may not be able to put those on a later version machine like Windows 10. I mean, yeah. it's and, – and the other thing I found is Windows 10 has got all these security things built into it. I mean, you want to do something, you got to enter an email and a password. I know. I mean, I can, I can see why they want to do that, but, I mean, it's – it's pretty it's, bad. Yeah. Well, you know, Pete, this this brings up the other topic that, that you and I had mentioned, and we weren't going to mention it in the podcast. Yeah. But this is the other reason that there was a delay, and people might have suspected. We can't, I mean, we can't go into it on the podcast. Right. Mostly for legal reasons, but there there has been another problem that's come up, and that's part of the reason for the long delay here. I hope we're going to be able to resolve it. It, I'm, it's not certain right now, and it is vaguely reminiscent to that thing you mentioned about the porn star and all that. The and same, the emperor. And, and <laughs> the lawyers, mostly the yeah, lawyers. The lawyers, yeah. And the internet and the whole thing yeah. and licenses and copyrights and all that. So yeah. we have had a problem, and yeah. I can't I, – the, law, the lawyers won't let you say anything. I can't say anything. But we're hoping that we're going to resolve it, and we're hoping that the podcast can continue. But uh, stay tuned on that. Right. I, I wouldn't so, get to. I wouldn't get. I know you've been very worried about. It. I wouldn't worry that much. But okay. Well, right? okay. The the one good good piece of news. I previously had all my Arduino files in uh, 1.0.5, and I, I resisted upgrading. And even though I had all the sketches in the file on the hard, on the external hard drive, I had to now install 1.8.5. And and aside from just a little diddling and fiddling, most of those 1.05 uh, sketches now work in 1.8.5. So I have been I've been busy moving the sketches into 1.8.5. So that took up some time, and I've been upgrading some of the some of the rigs now. Um, <clears throat> to that end, uh, you were talking about on the bench, and I have been doing some things on the bench, Bill. And if you check the blog, n6qw.blogspot.com, you'll see, uh, first of uh, something that goes back 60 years. <laughs> you get to see me at, at my first DX, sta- DX station there back in Connor Lamb country in western Pennsylvania. Oh, There's man, I got I, I to gotta look at that. <laughs> There's a picture of me in 1959. <laughs> with my station so you, you get a chance to see that but but i also talk about stormy and stormy is the name of a rig that that i have on the bench that i had to do some reprogramming on and what this is about seriously here in southern california we had an interesting meteorological term never heard of before an atmospheric river Ooh. we got we got so much rain in a short period of time i got six inches in 36 hours wow and so in Ventura and Santa Barbara County, um, they were really concerned because all the land that was burned, then they had a rainstorm in December, and they had the mudslides. Matter of fact, 22 people were killed, and they haven't found two of the bodies as yet. They're still, they're still looking for them. So they issued all these alerts. The, you know, you get alerts on your phone and on a TV, and I, I'm saying they ordered – Mass evacuations. I wasn't affected by it, but people a little north of me, uh, in actually in the city of Ventura was. And I said, you know, what would you take if you got notification of a storm? What kind of rig would you take? You wouldn't take the ICOM 7851, but you'd certainly look at something that was small and portable. 
uh, and that would be a lifeline. So it might be a good thing to just take a look and see what rig would you take, and is it ready to go? I, I have a gel cell battery that's fully charged, and I and I have a rig, and I call it Stormy, and and it's for an obvious reason. First of there, it, it's topless. It has no case top on it. You, you're getting us into this again, man. You, yes, I know you. You I want know. to talk about this. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. But anyway, think about it. What would you do? What rig would you take? And I, and I think as radio amateurs, uh, we provide a very, uh, you know, valuable service in the event of a natural disaster, such as the, these storms that they were talking about. So, uh, you, you know, let's do something more with our hobbies. So I, I got, I was busy on the bench, tuning, peaking, tweaking. Now, now is, is Stormy a homebrew rig? Yes. Oh, of course. That's even better. Because yeah. it's better, it's better when you're providing emergency communication and people look and say, where did you get that thing? And you say, I built it myself. Yeah. And not only are they being rescued, but they're green with envy about yeah. your soldering prowess. Yeah. Well, yesterday I got a comment because I had it on the air just to exercise. And the guy said to me, I just can't believe that's a homebrew rig. I just, you got such punch in your signal. You didn't build it. That's got to be a commercial rig. <laughs> and I'm saying, don't argue with me. <laughs> you know? Well, that's, it, that's, it, a, that's a variation on the, well... I guess, it, oh, I guess it sounds, It's no, it sounds okay, I, I suppose, yeah, oh, well, I don't see anything, oh, well, I guess it's okay, you know. He's, he said, do you work a lot of DX with that? He said, it's really punchy. I said, yeah, I do. <laughs> I, then I, I usually then tell him that the entire audio chain consists of one transistor. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did. 2N3904, I did. So, so anyway, um, you know. I'm speaking about disasters here, first of the computer disaster, and then secondly, uh, think about what rigs you have. I mean, so many times I got rigs that are got a little problem with them. It's always a good idea to get one, make sure it's working, and it's yeah. working right. Yep, and I've yep. spent, I spent a little time doing that, and uh, also spent a little time uh, with some of the software-defined radios, which is an, another avenue. Uh, <clears throat> I, I haven't really been keeping up a lot with it, but just recently here because uh, I was interested in getting the computer back. I've been investigating these single board computers, and of course, the most famous of, of these is the Raspberry Pi mm -hmm. 3, and now they have a 3B Plus, which is an even faster processor at uh, 1.4 gigahertz. It, things only get better. And uh, I also bought a uh, Asus Tinkerboard, which uh, is even a faster machine, it's a quad core. It's got two gigabytes of RAM on it. It's a 1.8 megahertz machine. And I, I've loaded uh, SDR software on that. So I have a rig. I have a soft rock working with the Asus Tinkerboard. Um, Bill, I, I got to tell you, for 60 bucks, <laughs> you get this computer. <laughs> this computer. It's got, you know, it's got Wi-Fi on it. It, it. It'll do all these things. And as a matter of fact, uh, they you can get the software, basic download of the software, the OS, you can watch Netflix on this thing with no flickering, and this, this thing will support <laughs> this thing will support 4K. <laughs> you know the, the latest 4K technology. Yeah, this is this, this is terrible. We're gonna have we're gonna have hams in their shacks, and they're not gonna be talking to anybody because they're gonna be watching porn on the ham radio. I mean, geez. yeah, yeah. But the thing is, uh, it's this is a wonderful time, and this this adds uh, kind of fuel to the fire. This is a really a great time to be a home brewer 
because there's just so much technology that's that's available to you and it's low cost. Well, I got to mention something here. I'm just jump right in. You know, we have a we got a nice email from our old friend N6ORS and he he has been dabbling in this area yes. too. But he's got a different um, definition for SDR. Did you see that? Yeah, I, I, I did. Uh, I'll tell you what it is. Satan's digital radio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with him there. I'm with him. Yeah. Okay, but go ahead with your satanic stuff. Well, go ahead. anyway, it's just that there's so much technology, and, and it's just, you know, the, the world is uh, just wide open if you want to if you really want to export but one of the problems that I see is and I get a lot of emails about this is people don't want to read the manual <laughs> you know they just they, they hook it up they push buttons then they email me and say this thing doesn't work and I'll say well did you do this uh, no oh well did you do that <laughs> no well I got I got this is you know RTFM we're not going to say yeah, what yeah, what the yeah, F stands yeah. for RTFM yeah. but I was watching I watched this TV channel called The Velocity it's about car yeah. guys and it's really yeah. pretty cool these some of these guys are amazingly skilled but these two guys were working on this kind of race car and they were hooking up a, I guess it was a, like a, a nitrogen tank on it to, to supercharge it and they it come with like an adapter kit and the two of them are standing there and one, they they facetiously one says to the other hey you know in the box there was this pamphlet with papers and stuff, and it says along, along the top that there's something called instructions. And the other guy says, wow, what do you think we should do with that? He, he takes it. He throws it off the yeah, yeah. No, but it, that, that's the thing is that the technology is, is amazing, and, and there's, there's a lot of capability, but the problem is you do have to read about it, and, mm. and you have to learn, and, and it's just like you can't, Cram sixty years worth of experience into one weekend. <laughs> you right, know, right. you, you yeah. got you got to start small. Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. So, but anyway, uh, I, I'm I'm calling this the year of transceivers. So I'm trying to dedicate the blog to a lot of uh, a lot of transceiver projects, including and, including SDR projects, right? Yes, SDR right. projects. Yeah. Well, that's so, that's anyway, great. Anyway, um, word of the wise: <laughs> save your files. Uh, look hard at the programs you got installed, and can you replicate those? And think about workarounds while the machine is still working. Yeah, and yep. Um, you know, very, very, hey, extremely you know, important. But you know, one thing I was thinking about along this, these lines is something that's got me kind of curious. You know, we have all these problems with our uh, the PCs that we have at home, right? But you know, I, I'm holding in my hand uh, a, much sm better. A, a smartphone, right? <laughs> yeah, and every Every kid in America and most kids in the world now walk around, I mean, all the time, like with right in their hand. My kids, they laugh at me when I say, when they're leaving the house and I say, don't forget your phone. They look at me like, it's impossible. It'd be like, don't forget your hand, you know, because it's constantly attached. They bounce all over the place. They drop them all the time. They look at sites from everywhere all kinds of goofy crazy sites who knows what they're looking at on these things they're constantly exchanging messages with people all over the world and have you ever heard of one of these things get infected by a fire by a virus and crashing and messing you up completely no that's amazing isn't it yeah i'm getting used to i'm getting i'm getting addicted to the thing too i use it all the time it's just because the smartphones have gotten really damn smart and there's so many things that you end up doing with them 
That's uh, well, amazing. Well, it's funny you should mention that. Even though I'll load stuff in the blog, I, I can see the blog faster on my phone than I can on my computer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, you know, I know. if I, yeah. I want to check something, I'll say, screw the computer, go to the phone, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But anyway, hey, great great time for, for home brewing. Just protect yourself. I, I, good advice. But you mentioned SDR, and I wanted to talk about this because it is, I mean, look, I, I we joke about it. We have this uh, digital uh analog kind of divide and it's a you know it's a bit of a trope kind of a shtick that we do here you're the you're the digital guy and i'm the the uh the analog guy sdr versus hdr and all that but you know i um and there's an element of truth to it but you know i'm really fascinated by the sdr thing too and it's almost like i I'm, i'm getting lured into it and every once in a while something in the shack will kind of look at me and say psst come over here check <laughs> yeah. out check yeah. out the waterfall yeah. oh because yeah. yeah. here's the thing this is this is the thing when you think about the old style of ham radio that you and i grew up with and spent most of our time as ham radio guys are it's almost barbaric compared to what guys do now you know so i, I was talking to a guy yesterday and he was on an sdr rig with a you know big big waterfall display and I, I was saying to him, I said, look, there, the, as many misgivings as I might have about SDR and the computer-based radios and all that, there's no denying that his ability to see the entire band or the entire F- HF spectrum with a click of the mouse is dramatically different from what I'm doing. I'm only, I only know what's happening on the 3KC bandwidth that my receiver has to be tuned on right now you know six kcs up you know there could be some amazingly rare dx or you know ships at sea in distress or whatever i have no idea the the whole rest of the band could be totally dead and i could be working the only signal on the band and i wouldn't know right so yeah i mean that's to give you know going back to the satan's digital radio Give the devil his due, okay? And man, that waterfall feature is is pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, and it's real curious you should mention that because I was having a QSO with a guy with a Flex sixty seven hundred, and he said he bought one of the first Flex radios, which is like ten years ago, and he said you could see twenty four kilohertz. Okay, yeah. so instead of three is twenty four. He said then it went to forty eight. He said then it went to ninety six. He said I now look out fourteen megahertz. That's what I'm talking about. It's a half 14, the HF band. 14, it's half, he half said, the HF he spectrum. Said, he said, I can see if, he said, I can be on 40 and see if there's anything on 20. And I yeah, said, I wow, yeah. <laughs> amazing. Well, you know, it's what's got me calling now. You know, And I've, I've played with this stuff. And I, you, you mentioned the Raspberry Pi and the other small computers. And you are, you are hearing guys now, and I think this is what N6ORS was involved in, taking one of these things, putting it in the, in the cabinet, and then having a small display Load it up with the software. Now, now some people, I, I heard, I was talking to a guy this week who said that, yeah, you can do that, but you're not going to be able to get the resolution that you would get if you were running a bigger processor or a more capable computer. I, th- I suspect that you're right, that it's getting to the point where you're going to be able to do that and there's not going to be any significant difference. But he was talking about it, and what made me think, you know, I, I, I played around with the dongles. The dongles give you impressive capability sure. too for twelve bucks, and I built a, a dongle with a, a front end and a bandpass filter, and I was using it for a while with this computer that I'm talking to you on now, 
and then my idea was to to get the uh, the seven inch display and then put it standalone. But when I priced the seven inch displays, they were super expensive. Just a standalone display at seven inches at the time. Who knows? This was four months ago. It might have radically changed by now. But it was it was pretty expensive. And somebody said to me, "Well, Bill, don't don't buy the seven inch display for hundred and fifty bucks. Buy a seven inch computer, a tablet." For fifty bucks, thirty-four. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But but you know what? I think in this case you kind of get what you pay for because I got it and I got it to work, but it didn't work well. It didn't it didn't work nearly as well as on the computer. So I I kind of I I played with it for a while, then I put it on the shelf because it really was kind of unwieldy. But now here's the other thing: this, this probably didn't happen in your house anymore, Pete, because the kids have been out of the house for a while. My kids are, you know, college age, and so I am the heir to all of their discarded computer technology. Of course. When they get, when their computer becomes a little too old, boom, I get it. So I recently inherited um, a uh, a MacBook, a tablet. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's not ancient, but it's got a big display. It's a, it's, it's a Mac. What is it? No, it's called an iPad. No, that's it. It's not the MacBook. It's the iPad. I got an iPad. Big one. Like, I don't know. It looks like about eight or nine inches. And so this makes me think, wow, that might be something that I can, you know, load some SDR sure. software in, interface it with my the little box that I made with the dongle, and as we say in the old country... Bob's your uncle. There you go. That's right. That's <laughs> Robert right. Robert is your mother's brother. <laughs> that's right. There you go. And yeah. so I'm, that, that's 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 one thing that has been. I've been hearing the siren song of uh, Satan's digital radio. Well, let me give you a data point on that. Uh, I have several Raspberry Pi threes, and I have a a five inch uh, touch display. Um, in order to use the five inch touch display. It's really difficult. I, I have to put it on, on an HDMI display, call up the screen resolution for the uh, small little 5-inch, then plug it in. I mean, it, it just, you can't do it directly. I have the Asus Tinkerbox, plugged it in, it automatically recognizes it, boom. <laughs> so you can plug it into a big display, or you can plug it in a little, so the additional, the future generation of that has taken care of that problem. So a lot of these things, and, and it's a 1.8 gigahertz quad-core processor, and I've been kind of following the single-board computers. Mm-hmm. They now have some that you, you can pick the OS you put, want to put on it. You can either put Linux or you can put Windows 10. Some of them are sold with with Windows 10 with a key, so it's it's like a fully functional Windows 10 machine. Oh, <coughs> you know. Oh, man. And, and there we are. It's It's the size of a Raspberry Pi, so we live in a great time. We do, we do. Hold on a second here. Just, uh, are we recording make... okay? No, we are. We're still recording. All right, cool. we're good. Um, just one thing dropped off the screen here a little bit. Pull it back up. Yeah, if we are. We're recording. All right. Hey, um, so there we go. That was the SDR portion of today's program. But now I want to switch back to the fascinating world of HDR for a moment. There you go. You know, because I, I was pushing this thing, let's all build a, a, a direct conversion receiver. This ties in with your, your story about weather and emergency communication, because during this nor'easter, we did lose power here in, in, in Northern Virginia. Well, luckily, we were out for only only half a day or so. But, you know, on a Saturday, you're sitting here in the 
power goes out, if you're a ham radio operator, life suddenly becomes very boring, right? So I, I looked around and I said, okay, I got a gel cell battery over there. What can I get on the air just so that I can listen while I sit here shivering in the cold? Yeah, <laughs> in your thermal underwear. All right. So it was the uh, it was the, the the ceramic DC receiver that I recently built. And I hooked it up to the jail cell, fired it up on forty, and I could listen on on forty meters. So it was kind of fun. So that was my personal emergency communications response. But there have been a number of guys out there who have taken the the suggestion and have built versions of this receiver. First, Armin down there in uh, in Richmond, uh, WA1UQO. He built one, and he built one, and he sent me a picture of it. I put it up on the blog. It's up there, Armin's uh, ceramic yeah. DC receiver. And he built it pretty much just the way I built mine. He didn't modify it, didn't change around or anything. And that, that's it. And he's got it working. So I, I was really pleased to see Armin doing that. Um, and then uh, Steve, N8NM, he came up with a different version, and he calls it the $20 bill. Yeah. And the bill is the money, but it's also me. So there's like a like a double entendre there. Thanks very much for that. Uh, that's Steve. But, but, but it was important. He involved his grandson. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, so uh, sort of was, someone coming right along. Yeah. Look what you can do. There yeah, you go. I thought that, there, there, I thought that was, was cool. Yeah. There was a socially redeeming cross generational uh, kind of project there yeah. element to it. So that was great, Steve. Thanks for sending that along. And a couple of other guys have told me that they they have these receivers in various stages of development. But and it also it, ap- it appeared in Sprat, the cover of the Sprat. We yeah. talked about that. So I'm hoping that more folks will will build these things. It is a real hoot, unless you if you've never done it, if you've never built your own receiver, especially an old style HDR, you know, discrete component, you know, receiver. That's uh, it's it's a project you might want to look at. And I and I've put I've, I've put most of the, uh, the whole circuits on the blog, and I have like three or four kind of detailed descriptions of the stages in there i still have to do the bit about the uh, the front end but the front end is so simple it's just a bandpass filter and an fet but i can i can put that up i'll put that up a little bit later on you know the most interesting part of it and i want to just this might be a good moment for me to mention this for me the most one of the most interesting stages in any hf rig of hardware design is the mixer because that's really where the 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 magic takes it's place the heart it is. It really is. I mean, so you have this signal coming in at RF, you know, vibrating the ether, even though we know it's not ether, at 7 million times per second. And what you're going to do is change that in one shot to something that we can hear with our eardrums. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. You know, we people we get blasé about it, but that, that is really phenomenal. And how do you do that? It's and I mean this is the kind of thing that used to drive me nuts when I was a teenage kid, following the example of Gene Shepard, with the deep belief that I had to understand how all this stuff worked. And it's really hard. But over the year I think I really have come to a point where I understand it. And I want to thank uh, W three JDR because he prodded me. He said, you know, he 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 looked at the description that I had of the mixer and he he correctly pointed out that there was more to it than i had presented so i I said you know he was right and i went back and took a look at it again and i found another circuit that was very similar and some graphs 
some wonderful graphs out of Sprat that show exactly how this mixer uses one signal to chop up the other one in kind of a switching mixer configuration. And then you could see, you can actually see in the diagram how at the output you get the sum and the difference frequency. And it's that difference frequency that's the audio that vibrates our ear, 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 eardrums. So you really, if you want to take, I really suggest you take a look at these blog posts and sit down for a second and sort of work through the schematic diagram and the resulting waveforms. Because if you do that, perhaps for the first time in your life, you really understand what the mixer is all about. And because, and here's, this is another kind of area of kind of philosophy that we get into sometimes. I think in most schools, they don't do any of that. Any of, anything I just described does not happen. And all they do is they give the students the trig identities. And they talk about what happens if you take one sine wave and another sine wave and multiply them. Then you'll get the sum and the difference products. But, but it leaves so many questions kind of unanswered and doesn't lead to the kind of intuitive, in-your-gut kind of understanding. You know, somebody, my nephew asked me, he said, well, what do you mean by understanding? I said, well... I was trying to explain to him because because John Henry was here and we were we were working on one of these rigs, and I said, "Look, if you think about the plumbing in your house and how the water flows through the plumbing and where it goes and where it divides and where it goes through the meter and then it goes to the heater and where it goes to the drain and everything else, you have a real understanding of that whole system, right? But you know, mathematically, if you I could present you with a little bit of formula about what's the formula for the input to the output." And if you knew that formula, sure, you'd know what the result was, but you really wouldn't know what happened to it in the end. It was intro. a black box. Right, right. And so for me sometimes, and I know guys will disagree with me on this, but the, the trig, especially in mixers, becomes sort of the mathematical black box. So we've cracked open the box. Here you go. There you go. Anyway, that was a mixer. I, I, one other thing on mixers. This was great. This is one of the great things about the podcast and that's why I hope we can continue it. And, yeah. and, and the blog. Yeah. Because so many times it's like, you know, you throw something out there and ideas come at you from, I mean, from as far away as you can imagine. God doesn't want me to mention his name, but he's an old friend. And he sent me a story from Thailand during the Vietnam War. He was over there as a young guy working in the Signal Corps. Remember this story? I, did you read this thing? I'll tell you about it. It's, it's yeah. fantastic. So it was. It, this was all prompted by the discussion of the mixer and mixer theory. And he said that he was over there as a young signal core guy, and he was at a signal station on a mountain in Thailand. And they were getting un unbelievable amount of, amounts of hum on what they called the order wire on a microwave system. Now, you know what the order wire is cause from old times, but it's, it's basically the circuit that the operators use to communicate with each other about what the customers are, or the circuits that are actually carrying the traffic, the signal, the data, the teletype, for the main users of the system. But it had this hum, and they couldn't get rid of it. And they, they worked on it, they worked on it, they couldn't figure out what it was. And they sent over text, flew them all the way out from, from the United States to work on this thing. They continued um, to, to struggle with it, couldn't do it. And finally, he... The young guy there, he must have been a teenager at the time, looked down 
and realized that a couple of diodes in the order wire circuit were old style glass diodes and that the inner innards of the diodes were actually exposed through the glass. They had fluorescent lights in the radio shelter. Modulating them. <laughs> Photoelectric <It> was, effect. <laughs> it was the mixer, right? I mean, the the the, yeah, the, the, a, the AC hum, the 60 hertz hum, was causing the fluorescent lights to flicker at 60 hertz. Nobody could see it, of course. It looked normal. But that 60 hertz light hum was hitting the diodes and was causing the diodes to have that 60, 60, through the photoelectric effect, yeah. the 60 hertz was causing the order wire signal to be modulated and put a 60 hertz hum. Because when you think about it, it was whatever the order wire signal Masking was. Plus, tape. <laughs> he took a piece of black tape. Yeah. Put, you're right. He put it on it. He fixed the whole thing, and the guys could fly back from the United States. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fantastic. Yeah. I mean... Anyway, that's, I thought that I thought that was that was really really good. All right, so what else are you working on, Pete? Well, I got a couple of transceiver projects, but I'm still waiting for the garage to warm up. <laughs> I gotta tell you, you go out there and it's it's bone chilling, you know, and it's wet and cold out. So uh, maybe in a month or two, I got a couple of uh, transceivers that I want to work on. One, um, I've been taken by the shirt pocket transceiver that I built here in 2011, I want to make it smaller. <laughs> Altoids 10 single sideband transceiver. That's a goal. Oh, really? An Put the whole thing in the Altoids 10? Yeah. Yeah, but you're going to have a tough time fitting, fitting the 20-meter beam in the outside yeah, Altoids well, 10. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's actually, this, well, that's a good goal. But this gets back to your emergency communications thing. Yeah. And I, 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 not only emergency communications, but like sort of vacation rigs. Yeah. Now, here's one of the problems that I'm finding these days. Because of where we are in the sunspot cycle, you know, you, you think, okay, I'm going to take a, a portable rig out with me, right? Which now, band? Yeah, but if it was 20 meters, you know, that 20-meter antenna, that's really easy to get up, right? Yeah. 40-meter antenna? A little harder. Not so much. A lot harder, and so I, I found myself thinking, okay, we're going on vacation to the Dominican Republic. Let me take one of these rigs and throw it in the bag, and then I start trying to imagine myself trying to put up a forty-meter dipole. Whoo! Twenty-meter moxon vertical. Yeah, I that, that was yeah. another idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, that gets us to the antenna story. So I guess Go that's ahead. a good a good segue. Yeah. So my my twenty meter my my seventeen meter moxon much beloved home brew up there on the roof made it through three winters, but not four. The uh, this was a story I I um, I was actually in communication with a, a station in the Netherlands, and we had it was it was actually during the nor'easter, and. You know, I always, I always have the SWR bridge in the antenna line when I'm talking. And so I'm talking to this guy, and we're, it was, it's great. Conditions are good. We're having a, a really nice conversation. Everything's going fine. And for the first time in more than three years, I look down, and on the Moxon, the, uh, the SWR is way up. All right? The wind is howling outside. I mean, howling. And I said... I know. And this, of course, I notice it while I'm talking. And so I, I suddenly stop and I say to the guy, 
I think I got a problem here. Give me a second. And he comes back and he says, man, you just took a dramatic drop in signal strength. I can barely hear you. And I, I kind of knew. Two and two equal four. <laughs> well, I go outside. I step outside and the moxon is just, it's like, it looks like a, it looks like an eagle with a broken wing. wing yeah. You know, it's a, sitting there. In England, we used to say, my, Maria, when she was a little girl with her British accent, used to say, it looks a bit wonky. It yeah. looks wonky, daddy. Anyway, it looked quite a bit wonky. And what had happened was, you know, I built the Moxon with four fiberglass, what they call crappy poles, fishing poles, telescoping fishing poles. They're crappy I, for a reason. <laughs> well, I think they're crappy because that's the kind of fish they're supposed yeah, to go after. Yeah, right. but, but these things, actually, I can't complain. They were pretty sturdy. But I, I, I had secured them to a, a piece of wood using U-bolts. But I think that U-bolt... At the point where the, 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 the pole comes into the wood support and meets the U-bolt, that's where all the stress is from the wind load. And so it snapped. And so now the antenna's up there now, and it's, it's, it's continues to be quite a bit wonky. Somebody, a, a number of guys wrote in, and one was a really good suggestion. He said, and he's exactly right. He said, you know, if you're going to build an antenna like this, you really need to get a wood dowel and put the wood dowel inside the, the fiberglass tube, get one that fits snugly, and then secure it down with the U-bolt. Then, then you got, it's rigid. Right, and it's not, yeah, it's rigid, it adds to the strength, and so, yeah. Okay, but I mean, yeah, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. it's been up there for three years, I didn't think of that, but, um, so now the question is, what next? And you and I talked about this a little bit, and of course, my first instinct is, we'll build another one. And because of where we are in the sunspot cycle, this time build it for 20 and 17. And then looking ahead in the sunspot cycle, bands that we will, we are not using now, but will be using in a few years, like 12 meters, 10 meters, 15 meters, right? <sighs> I am not, my grandmother said I was electrically inclined. But I know that I am not mechanically inclined, right? So the building of an antenna like this is an intensely mechanical engineering and mechanical construction project. And I managed to slap this moxin together, but a lot of it was luck. A lot of it was kind of scary improvisation. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm thinking that discretion might be the better part of valor here. And I might actually... For the first time, first time in my life, go with a store-bought antenna. Do you think the radio gods will punish me for this? Yeah. Uh -uh. I don't. I don't think so either, because I think there's. And this is me justifying now, and I'm sure some guys are going to come back and yeah. say, "Ah, Bill, you total sellout, man. You're appliance operator." No, but but you're going to have to do a lot of engineering and home brewing to integrate that into the specific location. Right. Right. So I'm thinking that, in, look, it's kind of like, okay, I built one Moxon, right? Been there, done that, check, got the t-shirt. But that doesn't mean I have to continue to build them. So I'm thinking that it actually might make sense for a number of reasons for me to just get a hex beam with the, with the bands that I want on the hex beam and then just take it up there and put it on the, the support, the tripod that I have up on the roof. And then again... Bob is your he's uncle. Un yeah. He's right. And, 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 and not only that, I, I suspect 
that whatever I get from the manufacturer will be much more durable and is less likely to fall down after three or four years than whatever I slap together using scrap lumber, U-bolts, fishing poles, and things like that. So I think that might be the way I would go. At this point, definitely 20 and 17, because 17 is it's still useful, but it's not nearly as useful as 20. And then maybe elements for the other bands also, and then just put that up there. So that might be my replacement antenna system. What, what do you think, Pete? Yeah, no, no, I think I think you're right on things like a, well, uh, the hex beam I think offers some advantage if you build it for 20. You you you've got the physical space to add the other elements, and they can be added at any time. You know, you you can just start out with a 20 and 17 and as things uh things progress you can always add to the antenna later on so that makes yeah but sense. I, I i don't go up on the roof anymore that's oh, out so okay. it's it's for me it's kind of a one shot deal I, I don't even go up on the roof i get the guy who cleans the gutters <laughs> and i i give him a few bucks and tell him to get himself strapped in properly and then have him go up there and put it and i just send stand safely on the ground and direct traffic and direct traffic then yes, we have supervised yes, yes, supervised yes, but yes. uh well, that's, anyway, that's yeah. the reason I use the uh, spider mast with the, the bottom on a beam, so I wouldn't have to go up in the roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, 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 I yeah. strongly recommend don't go up on the roof if you don't have to. Yeah. I mean, no, it, it's Not one of the few, there, there, there aren't a lot of ways to, to kill yourself in this that's game. One. <laughs> that's one, and then you know, wires near the power line, don't yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. When I sent John Henry out the the direct conversion receiver I built for him, I made him like swear a blood oath oath not to put it up near wires. And then my sister in law said to me, "What are you talking about? All our power is underground." I thought, "Okay, good, done, we're done." Um, but that's very important. And then also, of course, you know, amplifiers with three thousand volts on the plate. Yeah. But I don't do that anymore. Nope. Mm-mm. Anyway. Um, so that's that's sort of where I'm going. The other the other thing I'm going to go with with the replacement antenna system is when I get this thing up on the roof, I might have a separate tripod put up there with just a a big pole on it, and the top of the pole will be the uh, the, the peak support for a big inverted V doublet, and it's going to be fed with open wire line. It's going to come down to a an antenna tuner that I put together. The antenna is actually was given to me by by no wait wait this one was a uh, Steve Steve Silverman gave me a multiband antenna that, that 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 I used to build the Moxon. This is a second one that I picked up at the Winterfest Hamfest a few years ago, and it's just a uh, it's 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 really nice. It's put together well, but it's uh you know I think it's like 130 feet long Perfect. total. Perfect. Yeah, and it's got the op- it's got window open wire line yeah. on it. And I, and I think that, that would give me the ability to operate definitely 75, 40, and 60 meters. I, I, I'm interested in the 60 meter band, 6-0, the 5 megahertz band, maybe even 160, maybe. Uh, um, cur- curious, yeah. I put my 60 meter rig on the uh, antenna yesterday and actually heard stations. On 60. Wow, good. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's underused. It's, it's kind of a nice resource. It's good for rag chewing. I, uh, I I liked it. I have my little Bidex version of it here, so uh, I'm I'm thinking about doing that. So that's my plans for the um, for the future. 
Anything you got? Does this does what we mentioned here bring to mind anything you got on the bench or you got in the works, Pete? Well, like I said, I got a couple of transceivers that I want I want to work on, but I I got to wait till the garage warms up. Uh, Bill, yeah. you, you get out there and it's well, it's hard. Someone, so, someone says buy a space heater. I said the space is too big. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's know, a double man. garage. You just you will never you heat, heat it with it a space heater. Yeah, yeah. We got we got to think of some technological solutions for you there. Now that 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 uh, California's weather is changing, um, all right. Well, I mentioned Winterfest. I went to a Hamfest. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tell them what you did. Well, I this I I put up a blog post about this, and I joke that it was uh, the haunted Hamfest for me. Um, usually, Armand and I. We, we we meet up at the ham fest and we go through and we ex- inspect all the old you know musty boxes under the tables looking for that that beautiful part we usually find some stuff but Armin couldn't go this year because of a family obligation and uh, you know I, I I was torn I said man I you know it's a Sunday morning it's nice and peaceful I'm sitting here in the shack I got a cup of coffee do I really want to go down to the ham fest but the weather was nice. It was only five miles away. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I got up and I said, I'm going to go. I got there at 8.30 in the morning. I was done in the car on the way home by 9.30. Wow. I'd done the whole the whole thing, which it's kind of sad because it used to be a much bigger ham fest. I'm sure that ham fests all over the country are, are going through a similar decline. And part of it is a demographic decline. Part of it is that people don't want to sell stuff at these places anymore. They know they could sell them easier and better online. Um, but I mean, the the you know the 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 what do you call it? The tailgate area was a third of what it was just a few years ago. A lot of computer parts too, huh? A lot of computer parts, you know, and then. You know, the, the, the rigs that you see. I mean, there were some boat anchors there, but that was the haunted part. Somehow, this ham fest seemed to be infected with Helicrafter's S38. <coughs> Every time you turned around, they were selling an S38. It was like, you know, you'd almost hear like the music from Jaws. You know, I'd come around the corner, the, there's the a table. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. The Widowmaker. <laughs> Holy cow. And usually there'd be some... You know, middle-aged ham looking at the guy and thinking, oh, yeah, I remember that from when I was a kid. You know, and then the, the nostalgia thing is kicking in. Wow, that would be really nice for me to have one of those. Does it work? <laughs> and I almost ran up a couple of times and said, dude, it never worked. Right? <laughs> Even when it was brand new. Now, I know that the S38 lobby is going to be rising up and responding to this. Look, I understand. You might like it. Some people enjoy pain and suffering and dysfunctionality. If that's your thing, the S38 is the receiver for you. It pains me to say this because I'm a Helicrafters fan, but man, that thing. Well, National had a... Back me up here, Pete. And National had a brother to that, the SW54. What a piece of junk. (laughs) (laughs) junk well you know when i was listening to these guys you know kind of talking about and you know how at the ham fest the guy will put his hand on it because that means that he's considering buying it 
and Does this nobody. Work? Does this work? The, well, the, the rule is you can't take it if the guy's got his hand on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I mean, I'm thinking, hey guy, you don't have to worry about this one. You can take your hand off because nobody's going to steal this one from you. <laughs> but he's talking to the other guy and he says, "Does it work?" And the other guy says, "Well, as soon as the guy says well, you know, it, hums it doesn't when you work." Plug it in. <laughs> <laughs> it makes a lot of hum when you plug it in and then the guy says oh good i'm glad yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and i'm thinking and i almost said and that's the only thing you're going to hear from yeah, it yeah. but no and then but then I, I had to laugh because the guy said well i'm going to take it but i'm not going to try to get it work i'm just going to put it up on the on the shelf for like display i said okay you know i suppose as an ornament it 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 it, it might be okay I mean, it's got all those weird foreign places in the glass, you know. Oh, yeah. Sevastopol. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah <laughs> Vladivostok. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but anyway, that was uh, Winterfest. I didn't pick up too much. In the hour I was there, I picked up a Weller soldering gun. But you bought some variable capacitors, didn't you? Oh, man, I did. That's right. And I love these things. I have them sitting here on the desk. I'm showing I'm picking them up right now. <sighs> these things are beautiful. They are They are mechanical marvels, you know, and, and, and they are hardware you know this is they're not they're not some cheap little uh, I, I, ro- rotary encoder looking thing. at that for a loading capacitor on 811a amplifier there you go i i no 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 wait no no I, I i each one of these things as i turn the dial i picture some beautiful variable frequency oscillator varying as i turn the dial so that's what that's going to be all about one of them actually has a reduction drive and you know you, you know you're a real geek aficionado when you look down at the box of variable capacitors you say wow one of them has a reduction drive i must have it <laughs> anyway that was my uh, hey, my reaction by the way following up on that I, I you you said some magic words in our last podcast we talked about dean that took out the uh the hand crank radio and took took the gearbox out of the hand crank radio so he could ah uh, yes so i i said nah he can't do that so i sent him I sent him a real drive in the in the plate, and he's got it on his radio now. He just, oh he man! Just said, whoa, whoa, that's an upgrade. <laughs> well, we got to do that. But the hand crank radio, the gear thing was was really oh, yeah, impressive. Yeah, good, good for you, Dean. Um, all right. Speaking of, well, what else did I pick up at the Hamfest? I picked up the capacitors. I bought a Weller soldering gun, identical to the one that I've had since I was thirteen, and only slightly less decrepit, but. Uh, what the heck? Spare parts? I got that. Well, not spare parts. This one I think works a little bit better than uh, the poor old version. I might retire the poor old version and put it on a wood plaque and put parts. it up on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no display, display, display like the uh, <laughs> like the S S thirty eight. Picked up some coax. What else? Um, oh, well, one of those old Radio Shack speakers that I like. I picked up one of those things. Uh, that's that's about it. Nothing else. It was it was pretty uh, pretty easy. Uh, pretty. I didn't come home with a lot of big old junk. I did spot a couple of things that I thought about you with, though. Oh. I, I, and I, I, I put it up on the, on the, on the blog. They, there was this huge boat anchor box. I mean, it was like the size of like two milk crates with big knobs and the, the I mean, the screws that held the cabinet together looked like they were the size of your thumb. This thing looked like it must weigh a hundred pounds. And I looked and I said, I, I'd, I'd never seen this. It was some sort of old military piece of gear and i looked at it and i said good god what is that thing and then i looked down on the label it says beat frequency oscillator oh yeah and i said yeah that's what pete needs <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. 
the 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 kind of the Pied Piper of SI fifty three fifty ones, where the entire BFO and VFO is half the size of your pinky fingernail. I just thought, man, this is the opposite end of the size and clunkiness spectrum. I didn't buy it because there's no way I could get it home and then get it out to California. Plus, I know you'd find it annoying. But I I, I thought, how many SI fifty three fifty one chips could you fit inside that box? God, it, no, it's got to be I mean, thousands, yeah. ten thousands. Yeah. Tiny little things. Like, it would be like pouring you know, pieces, of grains of sand almost in there, you know? So anyway, what I saw that and the, S- the S38s, a couple of things I saw. Oh, I saw that the Halicrafters TV. Yes. I, and I put a picture of that up on the blog. That was that was that was pretty interesting. So it was a real kind of Halicrafters morning there at Winterfest. Thanks to the the guys from the Vienna Wireless Society for putting putting on the event. It's it's a lot of work for them and it it, it is an important part of the ham radio calendar. Hey, you know, four days of May is coming up. Four days in what? In May. <laughs> four days in what? Does that have something, going- something to do with QRP? <laughs> Are you going to Dayton? No. Never. You know, it's not Dayton far- anymore. It's someplace yeah. else. No, it'll always be Dayton, you know. Yeah. Farhan wrote to me and asked me if I was going. And I, I it always pains me to say no. <laughs> I mean, look, if I if I almost didn't go to the one five miles down the road, I, I don't know. It's not my thing. I mean, I, I know these guys like it. And I just, I said to Farhan, man, if you go, you got to come back. Come back to, to visit us again. This time we'll we'll take there's, you down and show one, you the sights in D.C. There was one positive thing about about Dayton the time I went is that there was an electronic surplus place called Mendelssohn. It's a five-story building. It's mm-hmm. nothing but electronic surplus. That was worth the trip, but forget Dayton. All right, all right. Yeah, I think that's it. But, I mean, I hope Farhan goes, and I hope he comes to see me again. I hope, hope he goes out to California and sees you too. That'd be good. Um, let me see a few other things we have here, kind of odds and ends. Oh, a future project on the horizon. The MicroBidX. Speaking of Farhan, he was kind enough to send me an early uh, model of the MicroBidX board, and I have it here. And I have been waiting for a reason, well, not a reason, of course there's a reason, but waiting for the appropriate moment to put it into operation. And that moment has arisen, because our good friend Roger, who's out in California, originally from the Netherlands, and is a frequent contributor to uh, to the podcast, and who my wife always consults with as my birthday approaches. She contacts him and says, what should I get him? <laughs> and Roger always provides good input. He also helps my wife with her, her, her many Mac-related computer problems. What a wonderful guy he's out there. And he had some trouble getting his BIDX 40 going. Wow. And, wow. But, well, but to his... But now, to his credit, he's going to give another shot with the MicroBidX, but I have promised to kind of walk through it with him as we do it. So we're going to, he's going to put me on Skype, I'm going to put him on Skype, and we're going to go through it step by step and get two MicroBidXs going, one on the West Coast, one on the East Coast. And uh, maybe at the end, we'll we'll talk to each other on the MicroBidXs that we put together. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, yeah. By the way, there's... um I saw something on the reflector. I don't really look at it other than just to kind of look at the subject. But there's there's been some issues with the audio chip again. Yeah. I, I don't really? know what that is, but just keep.
keep that in mind as you go as you Thanks. put things together. I'm sure we'll get it going. I'm sure it'll be fine. I um I also had uh, another HB to HB QSO. Wow. Doesn't happen often. But I got on and I was on with the uh, the Bidex Digitia on 40 meters and I hear from I get a call from Kilo Charlie 1 Foxtrot Sierra Zulu. Bruce. He's the guy with the uh, peppermint Yes. the Bidex in the peppermint box. Yes. And I, 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 I had to laugh because, like, just a few days before this contact, we, my wife took me into a store called Williams Sonoma. It's a kind of a high-end kitchen food store here. And we went in there, and I was looking around, and the thing that caught me eye was the, uh, the peppermint uh, box of candies or cookies or whatever it was. And I said to myself, wow, that's the case for Bruce's rig. And then so the radio gods a few days later arranged for us to meet up on, on 40 meters. And Bruce told me that he had moved beyond the, um, the kind of pre-assembled bid X and he had scratch built his own. And he had it, and you'll love this, on a board, oh, al fresco yes, yes, style. Yes, yes, I saw that. Yes. Spread out. Yeah, oh, man. Yes. Oh, it's memorable. And I said, oh, this is great. So it was HB to HB with KC1FSZ, al fresco. Al fresco, yes. Thanks for that, Bruce. Keep up the good work. Hope you find a suitable box. You know, you mentioned microphones. I found something on Hackaday that people are still skeptical about, but I believe it. And it was about how the Electret microphone works. Pete, Pete earlier in the morning was making fun of the Solder Smoke Memorial microphone. It's a horrendous looking thing. <laughs> it's held, It's got well, rubber I mean, bands. You keep getting that baby wipe in your face. <laughs> <laughs> There's a baby wipe for the screen. It's held together rub- by a rubber, rubber band. Yeah. And the stand, the stand that holds it, up in place is from an ikea lamp that that, that hasn't been a lamp in at least 10 years but anyway at the heart of this thing what i'm speaking to you on right now is a little electret microphone and this this article and i posted it up on the blog you guys should take a look it is how the electret microphone does its thing and the most intriguing thing for me was that you can make your own and you can brew up your own electret material. Wow. Never That's real you know, homebrew. <laughs> well that's it. I'm I'm thinking about yeah. doing this so that I could just say to people, Oh, you're using one of those appliance electret mics, huh? Oh, so you didn't build one yourself? Uh okay, well I'm sure that's fun too, but mine is homebrew. Anyway, I haven't done it yet, but it's out there and it's not a gag. It's this one's for real. So check it out. The other thing, uh, sort of, wait a second. Yeah, along the technical lines here, I I came across, I think somebody sent this to me. Yeah, somebody sent it to me from, where did they send it from? From Norway. A guy from Norway sent it. I forget his call right now. I'm sorry, but I have it up on the blog. It was how to do crystal motional parameter checking. Remember this piece of test gear? Yes. Holy cow. You and I have talked about how much we've suffered with all the different methods of testing for motional parameters. You had the um, Dishall dystopia thing going for a long time, Dishall disaster, all that, all that, all that stuff. Well, apparently, there's a piece of test gear out there 
that you know you just plug in the crystal and it just quickly reads out all the different parameters that you need for crystal filter design construction design and construction and this great video really describes not only how to do the testing, but what the parameters mean, what we're looking for. Emotional so inductance, I, emotional capacity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a really good presentation, and I I liked that. I put it up on the um, on the blog, and I, I kind of joked. I said, you know, we have to try to find the few remaining pieces of this test gear, and position one on the west coast with Pete, and one on the east coast with me. Maybe we should send one over to Tony Fishpool in england to have a a, a, a european cover the world cover the world send one to farhan in india and then man then we'll be able to support homebrew crystal development all over now they're they're out there they're available you can find them on ebay they, they get a little bit pricey but you know very admirable and i was i was really pleased and, and proud that this happened in the comments box below a number of guys including one guy also, I think, from, from Norway or Finland. I think this, the guy was from Finland. He immediately said, hey, does anybody have the manual and the schematic for the device? That's the spirit. You know, because you know why he was asking? Brew it. <laughs> Build it. Yeah. That's right. Holy cow. Yeah. Fine business, old man. That's it. So brew us up some of these things and that we will then be in a better position to build, you know, crystal filters with accuracy and, I, and I, I mathematical bet, precision. I bet, I bet Uma's got one of those. I mean, you can't test a thousand crystals a day <laughs> <laughs> using the G3 UR. She could use one. We should send one yeah, over there. Yeah, Uma. the far hand. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, one other, um, a couple other rigs that we got here. Oh, this, I guess, this, I guess, boom, we're in the solder smoke mailbag. We slipped into the mailbag here, Pete. But uh, our old friend Chris, KD4PBJ, wonderful guy. Oh, the sent regen. Us a, the regen. Oh. Talk about the siren song. Oh, yeah. This is kind of old evil radio. But but it was also with an acorn tube. With an acorn tube, it was really cool. I got it up on the on the yeah. blog. Please take a look at Chris's rig there. Um, this is not really mad mailbag, but... You know, on Sunday night in the D.C. area, they have this old radio hour that comes on radio station WAMU from American University. And they, they, it's sort of the, um, the, the public broadcast system or radio here in, in the D.C. area. And they have this on, on every Sunday night, they have this thing called the big broadcast. And what they do is they play the old radio shows, you know, Gunsmoke, stuff like that from the 30s and 40s, from the pre-TV era. It's really interesting. A lot of fun. The other night I turned it on, and they're doing the radio version of Dragnet. <clears throat> the story you're about to hear is true, but the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Los Angeles, a city with six million souls. And it goes on like that. And Joe Friday, Jack Webb was the guy. He eventually became part of the TV show. But it was him and his partner solving the most heinous crimes of the city of angels frank morgan right out there where you live yeah. you live out there well, by the city of angels it's so interesting you should say that because we solicited that program and he said where well, is down on sepulveda we're going to the rampart station it's uh, two blocks from wilshire i drove those streets now and i keep thinking about dragnet <laughs> well I, I i always think i well, look those of us who are on the east coast yeah 
grew up hearing about these places, and they always they always struck us as so kind of cool sounding and exotic. Ventura Boulevard. I've never been to Ventura Boulevard, but I've been hearing about it all my life. You know, Sunset Strip, all this other stuff. Anyway, this one was set there, and I really, I, I almost, I almost fell out of my chair, and I thought, must have thought, this has to be a gag. Because in that very serious voice, Detective Friday describes a new wave of crime that has struck Los Angeles. Fraud. <laughs> serious fraud. Criminal fraud by people who claim to be repairmen for tube-type radios. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, holy cow, this is, that's a long way from being a meth dealer. <laughs> and they go through this whole episode... And you know, the big crime that they're investigating is this dude, instead of just changing, you know, the 5B4 diode tube, convinces the customer that he needs a new audio output transformer, you know, and charges him, you know, $23 instead of the $3 it should have been. You know, Gosh, it's, quick, it's, call the FBI, drag that. Funny you should mention <laughs> that. Uh, when I lived in Missouri, uh, during the day... The TV went on. I was at work, and the wife was panicked because she was watching QVC and the Home Shopping Network. So she said, "Oh, I gotta get this fixed. I gotta get this fixed." I said, "Well, wait till I get home. Wait till I get home." So I got home and I noticed this car in the driveway, and I said, "That doesn't look good." So there's this guy, and he's got a toolbox with an electric drill and the fresh. <laughs> he said, "I'm gonna start working on your TV." I said, "No, you're not. <laughs> Out of here." <laughs> I said. What are you going to do with a flashlight and electric drill? Well, I'm going to take the back off. No, you're not. Uh, out of here. So, I mean, they're, they're scammers. Oh, all I know. All the time. All the time. Well, this was, but, but, but you know, it's funny because they, they, they actually sent in like undercover detectives. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, tell me, what do you, what do you think might be wrong with this radio? I, I, I think it might, the guy, the guy said, I think it might could just be the, the, the rectifier tube. And then the repairman says, oh, no, no, it's much more serious than that. I think you need a replacement transformer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> wow, a more innocent time, huh? Yep. Well, if, that, if that's all they had to worry about in L.A. in, in 1959, uh, I'm envious. Um, oh, yeah, we had a, we, I, I put up also on the blog something, a real kind of nice blast from the past. Um, Michael Rainey. Alpha Alpha One Tango Juliet A One T J, a picture of him as a kid, with his DX One Hundred, heavy metal. All right, Michael, we knew you had a had had you know very very solid, you know roots in in ham radio. The DX One Hundred is about as solid a root as you can get. So so I was I was happy to see that. Do you know his roots were in St. Louis? I didn't realize. That. Yeah. That's I think I think I remember yeah. that. He was in the Coast Guard for a while yeah. too. Yeah, he's got he's got a he's got a very very uh, kind of prestigious and authentic ham radio pedigree. Michael does. He has the underground workshop too. Yeah, the rabbit hole. He's dug out the <laughs> rabbit hole. The, yeah, down 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 in the down in the hobbit the hobbit hole. Hobbit hole. We yeah. call it. So we we always like to hear from from Michael. That was pretty good. The last thing I want to mention, Pete. Oh, oh. Balfangism. I don't know why. He's got his... We're both standing here. <laughs> I'm going to call you on mine. Yeah. N6QW. Yeah, this is N2CQR. Uh, yeah. okay. you, you copy, old man? I copy. Okay, good buddy. Right. Um, this radio I have, and I, I just... 
Every once in a while, you get the urge to do something different. I blame this on Farhan, too, because Farhan mentioned the new CubeSat satellites that are up there. And I think he has one of these also. So I figured out how to program it, and I put in all the frequencies for the two new CubeSats that are up there spinning around. I calculated the time that they would be coming overhead, and I stuck it in my pocket of my jacket. And at lunchtime, I went out from where I work, and I was walking around, and I had the thing on with the squelch down. The, uh, the rubber ducky antenna wasn't quite up to it, but it, I did hear stations break and squelch through the CubeSat, which was kind of So, so they are on, on FM? It's, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's FM, but it's like, uh, I think it's two meters up and 440 down, or 440 up and two meters oh, okay. down. Something like that. So these are dual band receiver. The Balfang can do it. Yeah. But, but obviously I need a little bit more in the antenna department. But it was kind of cool to be out there walking and all of a sudden you hear the squelch break and you hear a little bit of phone conversation. It's, you realize it's coming from this CubeSat that's the size of a shoebox tumbling around up there above above the earth so that was pretty cool and it, it very it ties us back to what you're talking about in the beginning stormy? radio to grab oh, stormy <laughs> yeah put this in the box with stormy yeah, yeah it might be the might yeah. be the most useful one pete giuliano do you have anything else to mention to the side smoke listeners no, we're, no, at, we're, at, we're at we're at my, double over we're overtime word is back up everything you got in your computer <laughs> <laughs> i mean two weeks now i've been still screwing with getting stuff to work two weeks Oh, man, this is bad. Tough times. Tough times all around. Yeah. Weather, computers, colleges. Yeah. The lawyers. I hope we're back for next month. Let, we'll we'll, we'll let me keep say, fingers crossed, Let Pete. me ask you a question, Bill. Are you going to have two kids in college at the same time? I am. Isn't that going to yeah, be? Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, ready. I'm, I'm ready for it. I, I, I thought I had it planned out. My oldest son uh, comes to me and says, you know, he said, I'm a couple courses short. He said, so I'm going to have to spend another you know, semester or two in there. And I said, he said, that's my plan. I said, that wasn't my plan. And I yeah, discovered I the reason he was course is short things. You never know. I didn't know this. He had a rock band. And so he t- was taking the middle monarch classes. because He was playing out of the bars. <laughs> well, it was easy for you to get stra- distracted. There were four of them. It's hard to keep track. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've only got two, so I can keep a closer look. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, Pete. I hope to. I hope we're back here next month. Yeah, Fingers crossed. I, I don't know. We'll see what the suits say. Talk to, talk to Dewey Cheatham and Howe. Is that? Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that Dewey Cheatham and Howe are up to it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right, Pete. Seven three from uh, from Northern Virginia. Seven three from the left coast. Bye bye. Ciao. Ooh, that's awesome. The Solder Smoke Podcast is produced once or twice a month using Roadkill computers in an electronics workshop somewhere in the wilds of Northern Virginia. The podcast is available via iTunes and directly from our website, soldersmoke.com. Our blog, the Solder Smoke Daily News, is at soldersmoke.blogspot.com. Send email to soldersmoke, that's one word, at yahoo.com. Solder Smoke is listener-supported, and there are many ways you can help keep the podcast going. Please spread the word. Let your friends know about Solder Smoke, the podcast, and our blog. Put links to the podcast and the blog on your websites. Buy a copy of the critically acclaimed book, Solder Smoke, Global Adventures in Wireless Electronics, available from lulu.com. Begin all your visits to Amazon via the Amazon link on our blog page. In this way, Solder Smoke gets a commission from anything you buy on Amazon. 
Buy some of our attractive Solder Smoke t-shirts, coffee mugs, and bumper stickers at the Solder Smoke store at cafepress.com. If you have a small business, consider advertising on the podcast or on the blog. Our rates are reasonable and our staff is friendly. If none of this appeals to you but you still want to help, well, we have a donation button in the upper left-hand corner of the blog page. However you choose to help, we thank you for your support. Ciao, bravi ragazzi!